So I have a confession to make. I am a cat person. Now, don't get me wrong. I like dogs, but ultimately I prefer cats. And we have three cats here at Dispatches HQ. Now, I've done episodes on all the wild canids of North America, wolves, coyotes, and foxes, and recently, my cats came to me and demanded to know when I was going to talk about their wild ancestors. Okay, that's not true, because they're cats, so they're just like, whatever. But even so, today, I want to tell you about the big kitties that are native to North America, bobcats, Canada lynxes, and mountain lions. I'm your host, Tim the Nature Nerd O'Hara, And this is the Dispatches from the Forest podcast. Now, before I get into wild felines, I want to talk for a minute about domestic cats. Now, make no mistake about it, and if you have a cat, this won't be a surprise to you, We humans did not domesticate cats. They're actually the only animal known to have domesticated themselves. It all happened about 10,000 years ago in the Near East, which is, roughly speaking, the region that's now Egypt, Turkey, Iraq, Iran, kind of that general area. Now, around that time, humans stopped being nomadic and started to farm, primarily grains, and harvested grains attracted mice and rats, which, in turn, attracted wild cats. Specifically, Felis Sylvestris Libica, the African wildcat. Now, those early humans appreciated the free rodent control and allowed the cats to stay, protecting them and feeding them. Even today, many farmers keep barn cats to help control pests. There's approximately 600 million domestic cats in the world, between 158 and 188 million just in the United States alone. And they can all trace their ancestry back to five females of African wildcat. Now, that said, while domestic cats have wild ancestors, they are not a natural part of our environment. In fact, since they have no native range, they're considered to be a non-native invasive species. Wild felines like bobcats, Canada lynx, and mountain lions all evolved alongside their prey. Left alone in a suitable ecosystem, they will generally achieve a balance with their prey species. Domestic cats, on the other hand, do not, and they are terrible for the environment, especially when it comes to songbirds. Even domestic cats are highly skilled, instinctive predators. Cats are carnivores, and even when well-fed, domestic cats continue to hunt. This innate ability and desire to hunt makes the domestic cat a threat to native wildlife wherever they're allowed to live or roam outdoors. Globally, domestic cats are directly responsible for the extinction of several species of mammals, reptiles, and at least 33 bird species. A 2013 study estimated that between 1.4 and 3.7 billion birds and 6.9 and 20.7 billion mammals are killed annually in the United States by feral and free-ranging domestic cats, which makes them the largest human-influenced source of mortality for birds and mammals in the country. Now, in addition, free-ranging and feral cats have been shown to decrease native wildlife abundance and diversity, especially species that nest on or near the ground, such as quail, killdeer, and ovenbirds. 
In addition, free-ranging and feral cats cause serious harm to populations of rare or endangered wildlife, especially when human-supported cat colonies concentrate large numbers of cats within the range of an at-risk species. Even trap-neuter release programs, for all their good intentions, have been shown by numerous studies to be ineffective at reducing feral cat colony populations. All of this is to say that if you have cats, please keep them indoors. Keeping cats inside protects wildlife and cats too. Cats that live or are allowed to roam outside are subject to a variety of hazards, including cars, being attacked by other animals, accidental poisoning, predation, and increased exposure to disease. And often, if a pet cat fails to come home, coyotes or foxes get blamed, even when there's no evidence. Now, I've heard the excuse, but my cat really wants to go outside, but to me, that's not a valid reason. Dogs really want to go outside too, but we wouldn't let them run around the neighborhood unsupervised, would we? If your cat needs outside time, consider building them a catio, like a screened-in porch for cats, an enclosed space where they can be outside without being a threat to or at risk of injury from wildlife. Okay, now that I've gotten that off my chest, let's talk about the felines that are native to North America. And I'll start with two very similar cat species, the Canada lynx and the bobcat. Bobcats and lynx are very similar, which makes sense because they're both a species of lynx. The bobcat's scientific name is lynx rufus, while the Canada lynx's scientific name is lynx canadensis. When the Eurasian lynx reached North America approximately two and a half million years ago, they initially settled in the southern half of the continent. The northern half would have been still covered by glaciers. This population would eventually evolve into our modern-day bobcat. After the glaciers retreated about 200,000 years ago, a second wave of Eurasian lynx would reach North America, settling in the now glacier-free northern half of the continent and eventually evolving into the Canada lynx. Thanks to their shared heritage, they're very similar in some ways. Both are lean, medium-sized cats. Both have back legs that are longer than the front, which causes them to slope downward in the front. And, like domestic cats, they both have sharp, fully retractable claws, and also like all cats, when they walk, they tend to directly register, meaning that their hindprints fall exactly on top of their foreprints. The primary differences between the two are that the lynx has longer ear tufts, broader paws, a shorter tail with a fully black tip, longer legs, and generally has fewer markings and a grayer coat. Lynx are usually, but not always, a little bit bigger than bobcats. Where their ranges overlap, bobcats actually tend to be slightly larger. Now, with any predator, people are always concerned about whether or not they are dangerous. While individuals suffering from rabies have, on occasion, attacked people, incidents like this are rare. Both lynxes and bobcats prefer to avoid humans and generally won't attack unless provoked. A healthy lynx or bobcat is easily scared away by yelling or throwing things towards it. Now, an adult lynx is about three and a half feet long and stands just over two feet tall at the shoulder. Males average around 25 pounds and females around 18. The Canada lynx is found predominantly in the dense boreal forests of Canada, and its range strongly coincides with that of their primary prey, the snowshoe hare. In the United States, it can be found in the Rocky Mountains, the Great Lakes region, and New England. Since they live in colder environments, they've evolved thick, insulating fur with little to no markings. Their ears are lined with black fur and have distinctive one-and-a-half-inch-long black tufts on their tips. 
In the winter, the fur on their lower cheeks gets longer, which gives the impression of a ruffle covering their throat. Another adaptation for snow-covered environments is their large, broad paws, which are covered in thick fur and can spread almost four inches wide. This lets them move quickly and easily on soft snow, like a snowshoe. The lynx's paws can support almost twice as much weight as a bobcat's before sinking into the snow. Now, lynxes are carnivores and will eat a variety of prey, but they rely heavily on the snowshoe hare. Depending on the season and the abundance of hares, snowshoe hares make up anywhere from 35 to 97 percent of the lynx's diet. Because of this close relationship between the two species, numbers of hares and numbers of lynxes in areas like Alaska and central Canada often undergo cyclic rises and falls. Every 8 to 11 years, there's a period of snowshoe hare scarcity, which in turn impacts the number of lynxes. During these hare droughts, lynxes will often move to areas that have a greater number of hares, sometimes covering over 600 miles, and during these times, they tend to not have kittens. Then, when the number of hares increases, the lynx population increases as well. The mating season is roughly a month long, from March to early April. After a gestation of two to three months, a litter of between one and eight kittens is born. Again, litter size and kitten survival often coincides with the abundance of snowshoe hares. Kittens leave the mother at around 10 months of age, and the female offspring usually establish home ranges close to their mother and remain in contact for life. Male offspring, on the other hand, tend to move farther from their birth range. Females reach sexual maturity at 10 months and often delay breeding for another year. Males mature at age 2 or 3. Canada lynxes can live 16 years in the wild, though average lifespan is closer to 10. In captivity, they can live up to 25 or older. The bobcat, sometimes called the red lynx, is much more widely distributed than the Canada lynx. Bobcats range from southern Canada through most of the United States and south into central Mexico. Unlike its large, pawed, snow-adapted relative, the northern range of the bobcat is limited by deep snow. It prefers to wait out heavy storms in a sheltered spot. In spite of this limitation, however, bobcats are highly adaptable. They prefer woodlands, but they don't depend exclusively on woodland ecosystems. Bobcats make their homes from the swamps of Florida to the desert southwest to rugged mountains. It makes its home wherever there's rocky ledges, swamps, or forested tracks, even near agricultural land. Now, as I mentioned earlier, size-wise, bobcats tend to be slightly smaller than lynx. Male bobcats average around 20 pounds, but can get as large as 40. Females average around 15 pounds, getting as large as 33. They're about two and a half feet long, with their bob tail adding another between three and a half and eight inches. Their coats are variable, though generally tan to grayish-brown, with black streaks on the body and dark bars on the forelegs and tail. Its spotted patterning acts as camouflage. The ears are black-tipped and pointed, with short black tufts. Bobcats that live in the desert have the lightest colored coats, while those in the northern forested regions are darkest. Kittens are born well-furred and already have their spots. I have been fortunate enough to see bobcats in the wild on several occasions, and they are absolutely beautiful animals. The bobcat is an opportunistic hunter, and unlike the more specialized Canada lynx, bobcats readily vary their prey selection, but generally prefer mammals up to about 12 pounds. 
The bobcat hunts by stalking its prey, then ambushing with a short chase or pounce. Bobcats can survive for long periods without food, but eat heavily when prey is abundant. During lean periods, they may prey on larger animals, and after feeding, will often bury the remaining carcass under snow or leaf litter with the intention of returning later. Now, the largest wild cat in North America is, of course, the mountain lion, also known as cougars or pumas, along with many other names. So, one quick fun fact, the mountain lion is known by over 40 different names in the English language alone, which has earned it a place in the Guinness Book of World Records. But whatever name they're known by, mountain lions are big cats, the fourth largest cat species in the world. An adult male can stand just shy of three feet tall at the shoulder, be almost eight feet long from nose to tail tip, and weighs an average of 150 pounds. Female mountain lions are slightly smaller, with an average weight of just under 120 pounds. Like many other animals, though, they tend to be smaller near the equator and larger as their range approaches the poles. Adult male mountain lions' weights range from between 120 to 220 pounds, females between 65 and 140 pounds. They have large paws, about 4 inches long, and proportionally the longest hind legs of any feline species. This gives them an excellent short sprint. They can reach speeds of 40 to 50 miles an hour and the ability to jump from the ground 18 feet up into a tree. When it comes to large terrestrial mammals, mountain lions are the most widespread, with a range that spans 110 degrees of latitude, from the Canadian Yukon across the western United States, south through all of South America. Although, prior to colonization, they ranged across the entire United States and most of Canada. There's still a population in southern Florida. Their preferred habitat is steep, rocky canyons or mountainous terrain, and they can be found in lowland and mountain deserts, all forest types, as well as open areas with little vegetation, from sea level up to 10,000 feet in elevation. Generally speaking, mountain lions are found wherever there are deer, since this is their primary prey, although they will eat small mammals and even insects. Like other cats, mountain lions are obligate carnivores, which means they must feed on meat to survive. Also like other cats, they're ambush predators, stalking prey through brush and trees, across ledges or other covered spots, before leaping onto the back of their prey and delivering a suffocating bite to the neck. A mountain lion can break the neck of smaller prey with its powerful bite, combined with its momentum and weight which drives the animal to the ground. It's estimated that a mountain lion only kills one large prey animal, like a deer, every two weeks, although in areas where they feed on smaller animals, they need to hunt more frequently. With large kills, the cat will drag the carcass to a preferred spot, cover it with brush, and return to feed over a period of several days. Like almost all cats, the mountain lion is a mostly solitary animal. Only mothers and kittens live in groups, and except for mating, adults rarely meet. Although, mountain lions have been known to share kills with one another and seem to organize themselves into small communities defined by the territories of the dominant males. Cats within these areas socialize more frequently with each other than they do with outsiders. Even though its adaptability has allowed the mountain lion to be successful in a variety of habitats, they do require large areas for their ranges. Home range for a male mountain lion averages about 100 square miles. 
female home ranges average between 20 and 60. Home range size depends on terrain, vegetation, and prey abundance. The sparser the prey, the larger the range. A male's range may include or overlap that of females, but generally not with that of other males. This helps reduce conflict between individual males. Because males disperse farther than females and compete more directly for mates and territory, they're more likely to be involved in a conflict. If a juvenile male fails to leave his maternal range, he might be killed by his own father. Ranges of females are more likely to overlap slightly. Now, mountain lions communicate with a variety of vocalizations. Aggressive sounds include growls, spits, snarls, and hisses. During the mating season, females produce caterwauls or yowls to attract mates, and males respond with similar vocalizations. Mothers and kittens keep in contact with whistles, chirps, and mews. And for the record, mountain lions, bobcats, and lynxes do all purr. Mountain lions can have anywhere from one to six kittens per litter, but typically they have two. And that said, frequently only one of the kittens survives. Newborn mountain lions have spots that fade and eventually disappear by the age of two and a half years. Juveniles usually remain with their mother for at least two years, but like bobcats, male offspring tend to disperse sooner and farther. Life expectancy in the wild averages between eight and ten years. Now, like bobcats, mountain lions are shy and usually try to avoid humans. Even if you live or recreate in mountain lion territory, the chances of an encounter are low. Prey recognition is a learned behavior, and mountain lions don't generally see humans as prey. In a 10-year study in New Mexico of wild mountain lions who were not habituated to humans, the animals did not exhibit threatening behaviors to researchers who approached closely, and by closely they meant about 60 feet, except in 16 cases, and 14 of those 16 were females with kittens. Attacks on people, livestock, and pets might occur when a mountain lion habituates to humans, feels cornered, is protecting kittens, or is starving. Attacks, when they do occur, are most frequent during late spring and summer, when juvenile mountain lions are dispersing and searching for territory. But, just to put it in perspective, in North America, in the 114 years between 1890 and 2004, there were 88 confirmed attacks on humans, resulting in 20 deaths, which is less than one attack per year. But even though the risk of an attack is low, knowing that you're in close proximity to a mountain lion is a truly humbling experience. When I lived in Wyoming, I went mountain biking alone one October morning at Kurt Gowdy State Park, a place that will forever be my happy place. There was about a half an inch of fresh snow on the trail, and I had gone a little ways when I noticed fresh tracks on the trail, tracks that were generally following the same trail I was on tracks that were slightly larger than the palm of my hand, had no claws, and no human footprints alongside them that would have made me suspect a person walking a dog. Clearly mountain lion tracks. For the rest of that ride, I talked out loud, sang, made as much noise as possible. I reported the tracks to the park rangers, and I was told that mountain lions frequently show up in the park in the fall when human visitation is much lower. From that point on, in the fall and winter, I rode with jingling bells and a small knife. It wasn't much protection, but it was better than nothing. 
Now, fortunately, there's ways to reduce the already low chance of a mountain lion encounter. If you're recreating in known mountain lion habitat, don't go alone. Go in groups. Keep pets on a leash and supervise children closely or even pick them up and carry them. Avoid recreating at dusk and dawn because this is when mountain lions are most likely to be out and hunting. If you see a mountain lion, don't approach it. Don't run away and don't crouch down. Instead, face it and make yourself look large. Raise your arms, wave them slowly, open your jacket if you're wearing one, and speak in a loud, firm voice. If you're going into known mountain lion country, it's not a bad idea to carry something like an air horn or even pepper spray. In the very unlikely event that a mountain lion attacks you, fight back with sticks, rocks, or even bare hands. A few years ago, a trail runner in Fort Collins, Colorado, fought off an 80-pound juvenile mountain lion. He was injured, but he survived the encounter. Okay, you know I like to end with one final fun fact. Now, it should come as no surprise that the indigenous people of the Americas, both north and south, admired the grace and power of the mountain lion, and that mountain lions hold a place in their mythology. But the Incan city of Cusco, capital of the Incan Empire from the 1100s to the early 1500s, is thought to have been built intentionally in the shape of a mountain lion. Although how Cusco was specifically built, or how its large stones were quarried and transported to that site, remains a mystery. And that, my friends, brings us to the conclusion of this episode. Thank you, as always, for listening. Be sure to leave a like and subscribe. You can also follow Dispatches from the Forest on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. If you have a question, comment, or a suggestion for a future episode, feel free to send me an email at dispatchesfromtheforest at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, and I hope you are, and you want to support future episodes, please check out my Patreon page and consider becoming a patron. Tiers start at just $5 a month. You can find all the information at patreon.com forward slash dispatches from the forest. I'm your host, Tim the Nature Nerd O'Hara, reminding you to go outside and get dirty. Dispatches from the Forest podcast is a production of Dispatches from the Forest and may not be used or rebroadcast whole or in part without express written permission.